most average golfers who've played at some level should break 90 almost every time they play. If they don't, it's a, just a bad decision making and super bad short game. Like if you, they just spent this entire year on wedges and distance control in their putting, we'd be fine. There's no rules. Shoot lower score. There's one rule. We're back from the inside of the Persimmon Pub, and man, it's getting a little late, so. The pub is is a little empty. It's a little echoey, but I think it's great. Our, our third podcast has always been kind of been a, uh, we I think it's been like a more intimate podcast. Yeah. But I feel like at the same time here, um, we're gonna have a really really awesome topic that we're gonna talk about. That's really going to be I think exciting for a mm-hmm. lot of people because I know that this is a part of the game where people aren't very refined. To say it, to say it lightly. Right. Well, one of the reasons is they don't practice it. Part of the reason they don't practice it is they're not very good at it. And that makes you not want to practice it. And even if they practice it, they're, oh, most people aren't quite practicing the right thing when it comes to wedges. They're Most times they're actually better at trying to get close to a full swing, even if they've never taken a lesson, than they are getting close to a p- correct wedge swing. I was about to say, and mm-hmm. we're talking about wedge wizardry. Wizardry. Yeah. Saying that right. Wedge, wedge wizardry. wizardry. And Would you man, like to be a wizard with your wedge? And just to Dial give, 1-800-GOLF-BETTER. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever W uh, wedge has five letters yeah. in it, not four. <laughs> yeah, 1-800-WWW-WWW. There you go. Well, so just to give Scott wedge. a little bit of credit here. Last year, Scott and I went out on the course, and we were on seven, and he had about he had roughly like a hundred yards in, and I said, "All right, Scott, like I'm going to put you through a little trial here because he's been he's been saying that you know I'm I'm just as good without a rangefinder as I am with one or knowing my distance or not, especially with wedges, just because the dude is so good with wedges, and so uh, he hit one shot without knowing the distance. I think the distance was 103. I shot it with my rangefinder. And you stuck the first one closer to the second closer than the second one you hit with knowing the distance. And I just think that's a testament to not only the way that you play your wedges, but also kind of the the consistency, the shot shape, the spin, the the flight, just everything that goes into hitting a good wedge shot. I don't think you could learn from anybody better. So I guess I feel like I just opened a keynote. Without wow, further ado, ladies man. and gentlemen, <laughs> Scott Hassey. Wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is great. Uh, so it's funny. Actually, today I chipped one in uh, playing with uh, <laughs> with talk. Erica and the other young man. And he asked me, he's like, so how often do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> and I told him, I said, more often than you want to know. <laughs> you know oh like, <laughs> so um, it does happen quite often. Um the funny thing was, like, I didn't have my 56-degree wedge, so quick sidebar. I've had my 56 for, like, four months. Is that your favorite? I had to order a new one. Is yeah, I use wedge? it everywhere. I use it just about everywhere. I hit low bump and runs with it. I hit high soft pitches with it. I hit out every type of grass. I've been slowly but surely loving my 56, too, just because, yeah. you know, 52 gap wedge usually doesn't have enough loft to, to yeah. do what you need to around the greens and yeah. then 60 will stop on a dime if you try and throw it up so and 56 I, is the like best. so i've been using my 50 almost everywhere with my 60 occasionally um my 60 is normally just my bunker club and i'm i'm sitting there going you know what 
I'm going to use my 56 on this one. Like, I'm not going to use my 50. I didn't even bring my 50 up there. I was like, I'm using my 56. I don't care what the lie is. Like, I'd just gotten so used to using the 50. I've been timid to use the 56 because it's new. And it's going to spin different. I'm like, eh, it's just, eh, I just don't want to, eh. And so I finally used it on four. It's a back right pin. I had missed the green short right. So I'd completely missed my marks there. And Are you hit, how, what was the distance from so that? So I have to, I have to either land it short of that ridge on the right and like chase it over and draw it down in there. Or I've got like, it was just in a really funky spot. Um, and I was like, you know, I'm getting over it. I'm rehearsing the low draw one. I was like, nah, that's not going to work. Low straight kind of mid. Nah, I don't know that I want that. And I'm already on an uphill slope. So like, I don't need to add more loft. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and hit the lofted one. Like, I'm going to play a little cut, ball slightly above my feet and uphill. So it's going to pull a little left. So I'm going to open it so it won't pull. And I'm going to give it a little extra spin at the bottom, which I'm not going to tell you all how to spin one more on this podcast. Uh, most of you don't need to do that. You need to hit it solid first. But <laughs> um, I gave it, I was like, you know what? I'm going to give it a little more spin. I'm actually going to carry it all the way over the slope. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to skip the slope altogether. It's too weird to try and navigate. I'm just going to carry it all the way over there and just stop it right there. Two hops, just trickle right in the hole. So um, I was like, there's a reason. Like, I've practiced with that club to chip with since I was, I don't know, 12, 13, 14. Like, that's the club I've used for forever. Um, and I did that because that's what Jack did. And that's not what everybody needs to do, but uh, most people need to switch. Not me, Jack. Yeah, not you, Jack. Jack Nicholas, Jack. Um, so... With that said, like, I think there's two things I want people to take away with one big overarching point. In order to be a good wedge player, you have to hit them solid. Solid includes, you don't have to hit your full shot solid. You have to hit your wedges solid because that affects how big you swing. That affects how much spin is produced on the ball. That affects how far the ball will travel. That affects the trajectory of it. Um, that affects how the wind will hit it. That affects how it will spin on the green or not spin on the green. Uh, that affects how the club will interact with the turf and various lies. Like there's, you have to know how to hit them solid. Um, and solid isn't the same in every lie, right? If it's sitting buried down in the thick rough, it's probably going to feel kind of chunky, but it needs to be the same type of chunk every time so that you can predict and get good at touch and feel. Um, so yeah. Speaking of that touch and feel too, I know that something that's really helped me in my game recently is Scott's given been giving me this this kind of tip that I feel like he'd give everybody is just feel how feel the contact before you actually hit the ball. And I think this has been really good for me because specifically with wedges, you're dealing with very niche distances. You're having to land it in more exact placements. Mm -hmm. And if you can't visualize the shot or if you haven't spent your time around practice greens chipping around like it's it's just going to be impossible for you to be able to land the ball in the spots that you want and yeah. frankly if you're not a really great player you're probably missing a lot of greens anyway so you probably need to be good at these small little chip well, shots here, to get it close to the hole here's the other thing you gotta understand the average tour player only hits 12 greens around a little over 12 like that means six of the whole like a third of the holes that they play they're gonna miss they're gonna have missed the green like, they're going to have to use a wedge of some sort and get it up and down. 
Like, but let's go a step further, right? So they're going to miss the green on those holes. They have to get it up and down. You figure they go for almost all the par fives and two, and at best, at best, they're going to hit the green twice on those. So on those two par fives, they've got a wedge in their hand. So now we're eight holes. They've hit a wedge. But wait, these are tour players. They hit the ball far. You've got par fours. That they've got, let's say they've got at least one par four on every tournament that's definitely got a wedge, and in most tournaments there's probably one more. So now you're in a, you're hitting a wedge. These are the best players in the world. They're hitting a wedge ten times when they play. L- like that's a lot. It's more than half the holes. They're hitting a wedge. Um, other than your driver and your putter, there are no other clubs in your bag that you're gonna hit that often. What was the percentages <clears throat> scout of like? Um, oh, putting you know, wedges, yes, driving exactly. So this is the way. This is my favorite thing that Hank used to say. Driving is roughly twenty percent. It's like eighteen. Um, putting is forty percent. This is regardless of skill level, by the way. So eighteen for driving, forty percent for putting. Um, wedges are roughly another twenty-five percent. So you're at what eighty-five percent at that point? Yep. And he said. The rest is all the stuff in the middle. He said, you can fake that. You can fake all the rest. If you can do those three things, you can fake all the rest. What was it, driving, wedges, and putting? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you can fake everything in between. If you at least can pick, pick a decent club. Like, so you can just hit hit your best club in your bag. If that's an iron, hit your nine iron. But that, but then I have a wedge in. I was like, well, that's fine. If you're really good with your wedges, what's it matter? If, like, you, if you think about it, as long as you just get it in the fairway, fake your way close to the green... Wedge, wedge it on and putt. Chip and two putt, and you break ninety. Yeah, <laughs> I know it sounds like kind of yeah. crazy, but like you can simplify it that far. Totally, and it's not that out of the like most people, most average golfers who've played at some level should break ninety almost every time they play. If they don't, it's a, just a bad decision making and super bad short game. Like if you, they just spent this entire year on wedges. And distance control in their putting, we'd be fine. <laughs> like you really would. Um, but with that said, so you kind of, I'm just gonna give it all. I'm gonna give a, my, all, a lot of my big points. This is the one I've been saying a lot the last couple months. Where you start is where you stay. So a lot of people when they hit wedges, there's a lot of movement. Their their hips rotate a bunch. Their head moves up, down, left, right. Like most people, just. Just watch people hit on the range. You can see it move. You can probably can't see it in yourself, but you can see it move. Like, watch the best wedge players in the world. They don't move much. Now, they rotate. Yes, the chest rotates going back. Yes, the chest and the hips do rotate some going forward. But there's not much movement left or right. If you want to hit a low one, your weight's forward, it has to stay there. It can't move up, back. Your torso can't twit. Like, it can rotate, but it can't bend and move and move up, down. Like, it's got to stay where it starts. So if you want to hit it solid, you got to do that. Now, there's other things to do with your arms and hands. Like, that's the first big element. Like, you you can't. This yeah. is why you can't hit wedges. You shouldn't hit wedges full. And the two things that have helped for me recently is keeping that weight centered and then learning how to sh- to strike the ball pure on every, on every shot. And it doesn't have to be a full swing. It can literally be uh, a shot where you take the club a foot back. But learning how to find that golf ball pure every time mixed with where your weight ends up, I feel like that's a good majority of what a good wedge shot is. And then the next one for me is to like stop hitting your wedges with the face square. 
just stop. Mm, that's a good Unless one. you have one of those like game improvement wedges that's like got the big flange on the bottom, you kind of have to hit those square. That's how they're designed. Now, I'm not saying open it 10 or 15 degrees. I'm saying like two degrees. Like that's barely noticeable. Uh, just set them slightly open. Now, people will set them open. And they'll go, well, I can't hit an open wedge shot. Well, that's because you didn't do the first one, which is stay where you start. You cannot move off of it. Like, you just can't. Um, the third one for me for wedges is... <laughs> how to describe this? Don't try to hole every wedge shot for most people. You still need to try to place it in a decent spot like you don't have to land it next to the hole in order for it to go in when you say don't hold every wedge what kind of distance are we talking for uh for these shots is it everything or is it just everything inside 50 yards because depending on what you say i might have a follow-up um i mean people think they got to make the thing by and large like i gotta hit this really close it's a wedge it was like well yeah you do but how are you going to do that? Like, they just shoot the number and they just try and, like, get it all the way there. I got to hit it 50 yards. Well, are you going to land it and it roll to 50 yards? Or is it going to fly all the way under there and stop? Yeah, like, so exactly what I was going to comment on is, is this is especially useful if you know the course that you're playing on, too. If you're a, if you have your home track and you know kind of how every green complex is laid out, in some ways, I almost think of it a wedge like a putt right where like i'm trying to land it on my spot in order for then it for the ball to filter where it needs to go right and then that's where it gets it close but i don't think yeah i don't i don't see a situation where anybody should be really going straight for the flag yeah uh, now i'm separating this out like high level players if you're in college mm, high level players this is a tricky bit here High-level players aren't just college players. Just because you play college golf doesn't define you as a high-level player in my book. Like, to me, a high-level player is somebody who knows how to hit wedges. Like, if you already know how to hit wedges and you can hit them really well and you hit multiple different shots with them, then you should be trying to make every single one of those. But everybody else, which is a, which is the majority of people that listen to the podcast you need to think about placing the wedge in a spot that gives you a good putt. Yep, exactly. And sometimes hitting it to 25 feet is a good shot. Like they get short-sided or they got this really difficult soft pitch and they try and hit this high shot and land it close to the hole and stop it. I was like, well, you're either going to flub it and stop right in front of your feet or you're going to blade it across the green. Because going back to the first one, you can't start where you, you can't stay where you start. Like wherever you start is where you have to stay. And so... It's like, what, what would be wrong with you hitting just a basic pitch that you know is going to land on the green and rolls to 25 or 30 feet? Well, then it's going to be far from the hole. It's like, well, the level of difficulty here is fairly high. Um, I'll give you another one. The bottom of the club needs to be flush with the ground. You don't want the toe up. You can have the heel up some, but you don't want the toe up off the ground. The toe of that club needs to be flush against the ground. So when you get an uneven lies, ball below your feet, most people go, I just chunked that. Why did I chunk that? Well, that's because the club isn't flush against the ground. Mm. So get the club flush against the ground. That's uh, one that I haven't heard before from you. Yeah. It's got to be. We did that a little bit this weekend. And with so Erica. Scott's visualizing this on a table where he's basically putting his 
he he's demonstrating a, a flush club face with his whole side of his hand on the table. Like the wedges like this. Like the wedges on the table. But he's saying that when you get into an uneven lie, then he's pointing his his hand up to where his hand is pretty much resting on his fingertips. Mm-hmm. And so if you're on like a nice side lie, you need to hit with with the slope of the ground. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Well you want you want that the bottom edge of the club has to stay with Correct. that. So you're gonna change yep. the angle of the shaft at address. Exactly. To apply that. Um, the other is also because of just the bounce on the club and how depending on the lowest yeah. bounce. So that you have, when you the heel when the prayer. heel digs with a wedge when the heel hits first, that heel strike, um, if it's not struck ball first perfectly, you can like you can just lay the sod over it because it mm. acts like a shovel at that point. Yeah, and it just digs, or you get this weird like chunk shank some of you that are listening to this are like oh that's what that shot's called <laughs> um <laughs> it's like i i hit it fat but i hit it thin like what what happened with that um the other one you got to understand about a wedge is when you're on uneven lies you aren't going to hook or fade the ball with a wedge well you can um off of those uneven lies and i'm talking really anything inside of a full wedge is um in those situations the ball's going to pull or push a lot because of, go of the loft of the club. Because there's yeah. a lot of loft on the club, right. it can pull hard left, which is why the situation I had today, the ball was above my feet, and I was uphill. Like I know that the thing's going to pull, so I set the face open. Well, Scott, it's on an uphill lie. It's going to hit it higher. It's like, yeah, then I biased it low with where I set my chest so it didn't go crazy high. I could still control how high it went. Um, and so... I had an open-faced wedge shot to offset the lie, pulling it to the left. Mm. And so it still pulled ever so slightly, but I anticipated that subtle pull and made sure it wasn't going to be a crazy pull. Very nice. Because a big pull will turn into more spin. A big push will turn into a little more dead spin, generally speaking. Um, Sorry, pull will be less spin. It'll release more. So here's something that I want to ask you. So two things that you think every... Let's just say low level to mid level player asks, in your opinion, uh, when it comes to wedges, like two things that everybody asks with wedges, and then I want you to then counter that with two things that they should replace those mm. those. For example, two bad things that people ask, and then mm. I want you to give two good things that you would actually advise people to do. Well, they they like to ask like how far to hit my wedges. This is where I might have Erica chime in. She's still sitting with us, but like, well, I have this big gap between these two wedges. I was like. Uh, so what's your point? Well, don't I need to have a, like, you're telling me you hit wedges full. Like, by you're asking the wrong question. Like, what you should be asking is, how do I hit clubs different distances? Mm-hmm. Wedges, like, one of my favorite Hogan quotes is, is he said, find me somebody who hits their wedges full and I'll play them for money. Like because that, because yeah. because he knows like you won't find a tour player hit a wedge full. There are some rare circumstances which I got to go over a tree, but the, usually the lie is good. It's in the rough and the ball sitting up a little bit, but not too up. Like the situation has to be perfect for them to do that, and it's super rare. But like, who cares if your pitching wedge is your seventy yard club? Yeah, the like, more and more I've what, played the game, what? the more what? and more it just it's it's just you're playing, and this it goes into the the situation too where. Should we even be labeling clubs seven iron, six iron? Should we la- should we be Put labeling the by their them. lofts, right? Because like it's not about how far you hit every club; it's about 
the trajectory and mm-hmm. how hard you're hitting that shot in order to get the ball to go a certain well, distance. Well, you remember when we had Nick on the podcast, Nick Dunlap, yeah. and he talked about like he'll just go play with four clubs, and yeah. it's like, well, I've got 130 yards, and I'm going to hit a seven iron. Piece, keep in mind, he can hit a seven iron 185 yards, so he's taking 55 yards off of that club. And people are like, well, well, my one, my one thirty further than that, right? And it's like, well, he's not going to need that shot. I was right. like, yeah, he will. He's going <laughs> to be under a tree somewhere someday. He's going to have heavy wind in his face. Uh, he's going to have a pin in the very back with a green that's super steep from back to front that he needs to kind of chase the ball up there. Like, there's going to be a situation in which he needs a shot. And guess what? It's basically a wedge shot with a seven iron um, with an open face. And so, like. Stop hitting your wedges full, period. And stop caring how far they go. Like, well, this this club only goes like forty yards max. I was like, well, then that means you at the most you need to hit it thirty yards. You're why are you hitting a wedge full? Why? Like, who cares? Like, I think it's funny when they post on TV like, this is Bryson or this is Rory's uh, stock sixty degree wedge. This is his full sixty degree wedge. Like, I can hit my sixty degree full out hundred and fifteen yards. People are like, whoa, that's amazing. I'm like, I'm not ever going to hit it that far. Like, ever. Like, my full gap wedge is 145. I don't know the last time I've hit it further than 127. Like, I don't even go to 128. And 128, I'm at the pitching wedge. I had that today. Hit a pitching wedge. Didn't even hit it full. My full pitching wedge is 160 yards. I'm not going to hit it 160. Just not going to do it. Like... You don't hit wedges full. Who cares how far they go? Like, um, I used a seven iron the other day from, um, let's see, it was a hundred. Actually, it's today on three. It was one hundred and sixty yards. My seven iron's one hundred and ninety-five right now. I mean, I took thirty-five yards off the shot. I hit just fine. Hit a low draw, one hundred and thirty-five yards. Like. I feel like the more fluidity people are able to understand in their bag, the better they'll be. Yeah. Um, it's not about these stock shots. It's a good benchmark to then understand what you need to do in order to reach it. But yeah. I feel like it's not. It's never going to be a good idea to fully rely on your stock shots in every situation. Yeah, it's it's learning to just realize there's way more to hitting wedges than just hitting it full. Um, the last one I'll leave people with. Uh, the other thing I have is like people are like, well, how do I practice my wedges? Like, they're like, do I just hit a bunch from one spot? Like, and that's what most people do. Watch, they'll take this whole shag bag out there, and people will drop them, and you'll see them hit from the same spot over and over again to a certain distance. I was like, you tell me when you're the next time you're gonna have. Like, we're gonna go uh, the next month. You tell me when you have exactly sixty yards in. Hmm. I, I'm waiting. I'll sit here all day. You can play every single day. The chances of you having exactly 60 yards in are next to zero. Now, I would challenge you with that being like, well, if people are learning how to strike their wedges purely, maybe hitting to that one number is a good benchmark to know when I hit it pure, it goes to this number. Where, yeah. At this, you know, at this certain power range, right? Like, I'm trying to hit a 40% wedge that's going to go 55 yards. Like, people use the clock system and... For a few people, it works. Like that's fine. Like there's not there's not a one size fits all. But the vast majority of people need to get rid of the clock system. Like, do you do you figure out how much you have to bend your knees to shoot from the third hash mark uh, uh, around the key in basketball? Like, right. 
No, right. you don't. You just learn how to shoot it from there. Like, if you can hit it solid every time, you don't need a clock system. You just feel it out. Well, I don't know how to hit it far enough. Well, practice your wedges more. <laughs> like, well, I don't know how to practice my wedges more. You got you got some laundry baskets? You got a backyard? Yeah. Well, I don't have a backyard. Was there a baseball field somewhere by? Was there a soccer field? Yeah. Well, just don't tear up the grass. One of my juniors used to go, um, actually, it's Daniel Martin. He's coming up here to work this summer. He um, He went out to his football field at his high school, and... Coach said he couldn't keep doing it. He's like, "Well, what if I bring out a little, like a little piece of turf to hit off?" He would try and land the ball at all the different hash marks. Mm. He got really good at hitting his wedges just by like, I'm just gonna I'm not on the field, I'm just to the sidelines, but I'm gonna try and land it in all these different hash marks. I was like, "How cool is that?" I didn't come up with that. I didn't tell him to do that. Like, get creative. But like, the big theme across the whole thing is, stay where you start. Don't hit your wedges full. Now, there's way more to it than that. So much more. But, like, you can't flick it. Like, there's a certain way that your wrists have to function, your arms have to function, but you got to come see me to give me that part. But stay where you start. We'll just say that this is the uh, the Wedge Wizards 101 course. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, if you want the uh, 110 or graduate-level courses, you're going to have to come see me. You had uh, Sherlock as a name, and now you have Wedge Wizard. As a name, we're just we're just piling Wizard up the names of the here. wedge, baby. I <laughs> I love hitting wedges. Like I I chip them in a lot. I have my coach to thing for that in college. He required us to chip in ten as like one of our starting assignments as freshmen, and we did it quite often. He's like, "All right, today's assignment. You got to chip in ten before you do anything else." Like from a single spot, just the mindset of like chipping it in and getting really touchy feely with your spin profiles. Love it, love it. Well, you got your so, 101 course from the Wedge Wizard here inside the Persimmon Pub. That was kind of a tongue twister there. <laughs> you got your <laughs> Wedge Wizard's 101 course. Uh, so from Scott, Erica, and Jack inside the Persimmon Pub, make sure to go and follow Scott on Instagram at Golf, And also remember to follow and rate the podcast. If you are on Instagram and, uh, excuse me, Spotify and Apple Podcasts now, the option is following. For Apple, it's up in the top right corner. And for Spotify, it is on the homepage of the specific uh, podcast. So make sure that you go and follow the podcast and give it a five star if you're able to, if you found any kind of use uh, from the information here on the podcast that you're listening to. So uh, Scott's book, also Golf Decoded, make sure that you DM, DM him for a purchase of a copy of that. The first book, The Champion's Playbook, is on Amazon too. Make sure you go check it out as well. And uh, from Scott, Jack, and Erica inside the Persimmon Pub here at Franklin the bridge we'll see you on the next one peace